Locked On Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. Patricia Trina here with you, and it is Monday, December 21st. And uh, start of a new week, and unfortunately, folks, not a very good start to the week. The New York Giants losing to the Cleveland Browns 20-6 to on Sunday night prime time. I tell you what, I absolutely cannot stand these Sunday night games. The Giants never seem to do well on su- in prime time, and it just sets everything back, which is why I'm coming to you just a little bit later than usual. But nonetheless, we'll get you caught up. We'll talk a little bit about the game and where the Giants go moving forward. But first, this episode is brought to you in part by Pepsi. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Go to madeforfootballwatching.com to check out the latest football watching content only from Pepsi. All right, folks, so let's start off with um, just some general impressions. Um, and I think I want to start off with uh, Freddie Kitchens and any impact or difference he made calling the plays. Now, as I said to you on previous podcasts, the game plan is the game plan. That did not change. You know, it was put in place by Jason Garrett. And um, throughout the week, what happens is the Giants tweak things in order to, you know, as they discover what works, what doesn't work, and so forth. And that's what they did all week long. But I just think, you know, and, and I'm, I haven't seen the the all twenty two film yet, so I'm going off of memory and what I saw from from the uh, broadcast. The Giants did try a few more deeper routes. I think I counted something like six deeper routes in the first half alone. The problem with the offense and with the defense, for that matter, was the execution. Now let's talk about the offense for a second. Let's stay on the offense. Uh, one of the the common beliefs apparently uh, that a lot of people have and myself included is that the Giants receivers don't separate. Sterling Shepard took umbrage to one that was mentioned to him. He said, look, you know, if you're getting two yards, uh, you know, between yourself and a defender, that's separation. Okay. I, I, I will defer to Sterling Shepard because he plays the game, but I will also add this. The Giants' yards after the catch is not what it needs to be, in my opinion. In other words, the Giants might have two yards of separation between themselves and a, and a defender, but that defender is usually able to close in and stop the Giants from gaining you know, significant yards after the catch, which to me is a bigger deal than, okay, whether you're open by one yard or two yards or six yards. So there, there's something in between there that's just not working. Now, I don't know if it's the pass routes that they're being called or what, but I have been saying now for the longest time this season, the Giants desperately need to get themselves a legitimate number one receiver, a guy who can separate, a guy who can pick up yards after the catch, 
and a guy who can stretch the field. I do not think the Giants have that on their roster. It showed up last night. The Browns did a good job of keeping everything in front of them, not letting the Giants burn them deep. And, um, you know, it, it just, it, it wasn't pretty, folks. I mean, the Giants offense, I think, put out a total of, um, what was it, 288 total yards. And of that, the passing offense, 221 yards. I mean, when was the last time we saw the Giants, a Giants quarterback throw for 300 yards or even 400 yards? It's been quite a while. And the Giants quarterbacks, I think, have combined for something like nine touchdowns all season. That's not a good number. And is that because of the routes? Is it because the receivers are not getting open? Is it because of the scheme? I don't know, but I, I will say this. I'm I'm really disappointed because I thought with Jason Garrett as the offensive coordinator that the Giants would absolutely light it up on the scoreboard. And they haven't. And um, this is why, you know, look, I mean, you guys know, you listen to me. I said that uh, Garrett would be a great hire. He, it's not quite worked out as I thought it would be. Um, and I would not be stunned if at the end of the year, head coach Joe Judge makes a change in that regard. And believe it or not, I could see him maybe even going to Freddie Kitchens and naming him the offense coordinator. That would not stun me either. But um, just really a disappointing showing by the offense. Um, you know, the offensive line, I think, played a little bit better le- this week. Although, you know, it, it, it's uh, worth noting, did the Giants play better because, um, you know, they they tightened things up or was Miles Garrett still being affected by COVID? I mean, so the truth lies somewhere in the middle. But the bottom line is the Giants need better production on offense and they're just not getting that. So, all right, folks, you are listening to Locked on Giants with Patricia Trena. Stay with us. We'll be right back with after these messages. This episode is brought to you by 1010. Now you may have read about this in the New York Times or Forbes, and we're excited to tell you about it. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana, 10 design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful commitment ring, launching exclusively on January 18th at BlueNile.com. And when these are gone, they're gone. We all know the diamond engagement ring is iconic. It's a timeless expression of the deepest commitment between two people. And with 1010, it's been beautifully re-envisioned in the hands of 10 modern designers working exclusively with sustainably sourced diamonds. If you're making 2021 plans or looking for a unique and meaningful way to celebrate Valentine's Day, you're definitely going to want to check this out. Again, this exciting and limited edition collection of diamond engagement rings launches on January 18th, and you can preview it exclusively at BlueNile.com. Hey, New York Giant fans, this is Patricia Trena, host of the Locked on Giants podcast, and I'm here to tell you a little bit about my new book, The Big 50, New York Giants, The Men and Moments That Made the New York Giants. This book is a comprehensive collection of stories and events highlighting some of the most memorable moments in the New York Giants franchise history, including unforgettable moments like the four Super Bowls, the Eli Manning trade, the greatest game ever played, 
the transformation of head coach Bill Parcells, Lawrence Taylor, Harry Carson, and so many more. The book also takes you behind the scenes on some of the franchise's changing moments, such as the fumble, the passings of Wellington Mara and Bob Tisch, the final farewell of the old Giants Stadium, and so much more. Featuring 50 chapters and over 300 pages of rich storytelling and detail complete with loads of photos, this paperback will transport you back in time to the memories as they unfolded and give you a look behind the scenes at some of the men who made them happen. With a foreword written by former general manager Ernie Accorsi, the Big 50 New York Giants is a must-have for every New York Giants fan. So be sure to pick up your copy today at Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, or wherever else books are sold. And thank you for your support. Welcome back, Giant fans, to segment two of Locked on Giants. Patricia Trainer here with you. And um, let's talk, uh, let's step back a minute. I want to talk about the Giants and the NFC East and this whole playoff uh, race. Now, obviously, someone in the NFC East is going to have to win it. And they're going to do so with a losing record. And, you know, I'll admit I got caught up in, in the possibility that maybe it could be the Giants, you know, when they had that four game winning streak. Oh, you know, maybe we'll finally get a playoff game to cover, even though I knew in my heart if, 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 it, if it did happen, it would probably be a one and done type of affair. But, you know, after reflecting on it, after sleeping on it from last night's game, the more I think about this, folks, the more I'm convinced the Giants are not ready yet for quote-unquote prime time. And I'm not talking necessarily about the nighttime game. I'm talking about the playoffs. They're not ready yet. And not just because of the, you know, the execution problems or the injuries or who they have or who they don't have. But, you know, look, we've got to go back to the roots, if you will. What was the purpose when the new coaching staff was hired, the new systems were put in place, you know, the new players were brought into the locker room. Where were the Giants then and, and where did they want to be? Well, as we no doubt recall, the Giants, um, after the 2019 season, they were a badly fractured franchise that had no direction, seemingly no hope, and just absolutely looked like an, a mess. And in bringing in head coach Joe Judge and his staff and the new players that he wanted, the Giants now have a structure. And it's still a, a solid structure, despite the fact that the team hasn't doesn't have the record to show for it. But with that said, you know, I... I've written this, um, and again, I've gotten away from this, so it's just it's it's just so easy to get swept up in the the excitement, I guess. But um, the Giants, their goal all along was to rebuild the foundation, rebuild the franchise, and get it going in the right direction. And John Mara, when he spoke to the media at the end of training camp refused to put any kind of, you know, conditions, specific conditions on um, on how many games he expected them to win or how many, um, you know, playoff games they had to get under their belt. And I, I just think, you know, like I said back way back when, to expect the Giants to be like the San Francisco 49ers who went from like a 3-13 and record to a Super Bowl contender – was an unrealistic 
expectation. The difference being is the 49ers basically had the same coaching staff. They had um, pretty much the same core of players. You know, a much different situation than the Giants. The Giants, you know, I, I want to make this clear. They are headed in the right direction. I really believe that. But with that said, there was a lot more work that needed to be done. And there's still a lot of work that needs to be done. I've talked in the past about the Giants needing, you know, a number one receiver. I've talked about them needing a, a legitimate pass rusher, uh, a corner two. You know, they just, there are holes all over the roster. And, you know, anytime you have a new head coach that comes in, he's going to want his guys. And so that's why, you know, you don't want to keep turning the head coaching staff over unnecessarily unless you absolutely need to because it's like starting all over again and that's what the Giants did in 2020 they started over with Joe Judge I do think they have the right man in place for the job but again I I just think that you know we need to taper off our expectations for this team Um, if they win the division great but you know look at the end of the day I don't think I'd be that upset if they finished third as long as I see improvement. And and there is improvement. The Giants have won, what, five games now? You know, if they can get to six and ten, that's that's a lot further along than they were this time last year. And then, of course, the challenge in year two will be to build on that. So just just some perspectives on this with the playoff hunt and everything. And yes, I'm guilty of, of you know, tracking the records and all that stuff, but... Again, the more I think about it, the more I just think that, you know, we have to level off our expectations and just say, look, let's take it one step at a time. Let's look at the baby steps and and then we go from there. Folks, you're listening to Locked on Giants with Patricia Trainer. We're going to take one final break, come back and wrap it up with a few more thoughts on the Giants' latest loss, 20 to 6 to the Cleveland Browns. Stay with us. Are we ready for some football? College football heads into bowl season, and the NFL has some big matchups coming up as the 2020 regular season comes to a close and the playoff picture becomes clearer. And there's only one place that has you covered and one place we trust, betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code LOCKEDON for your 50% welcome bonus. So don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sports book experts. Welcome back, Giant fans, to Locked On Giants. Patricia Trainer here with you. And uh, I want to get back now to talking about specifically the Giants and loss to the Cleveland Browns. And I've got to get this off my chest. Um, and that is the Giants' red zone performance. Now, two of the three red zone attempts, the Giants were aggressive because, as head coach Joe Judge said, he knew that field goals alone wasn't going to win this game. And he's he, he wasn't wrong on that. I mean, even though the Giants' defense held the Cleveland Browns to only 20 points, you know, um, it could have very easily turned into a shootout. We'll never know, but... Um, I want to talk about the two, you know, bold moves. I mean, maybe it's just me, but I tend to be conservative. 
I tend to say, okay, you know what? You're in the red zone. You, you didn't get it into the end zone. Take the points, especially early on. You know, there's there's a time and place to be aggressive. And I look at that fake field goal, and you know, I I I can appreciate what the Giants were trying to do there. They wanted to take advantage of, you know, Riley Dixon's days from being a college quarterback, or, or maybe I think he was a high school quarterback, and see if they couldn't catch the Browns napping. And unfortunately, it didn't work out that way. What happened was uh, Dixon ended up throwing to a tripled-covered um, Nick Gates, despite, you know, having Graham Gano streaking across the, the middle of the end zone, wide open. I think Evan Ingram was open on that play, and, and Dixon basically just didn't see it. You know, he was being rushed, and he just, I guess, tried to get rid of that ball quickly. So that play for as weird looking as it was just I don't know if that would have been the place I would have whipped that play out um, because you know I can't put my finger on it but judging from the from you know the screen this morning when I was looking at it it on uh, NFL game pass it looked like the Giants took some time getting set up and, and and you know the Browns were very alert they're a very well coached team and you know, it didn't work. And look, I agree with Judge when he says that if the play works, then he looks like a genius. But when that play didn't work, what bothered me is that they had another fourth down situation inside the red zone and they decided to pound the rock instead of taking the points. Now, you just came up empty on your first attempt. So you go for it again. I mean, it's and, and this one, the Giants weren't even even trying, you know, to, to fool the Browns. You know, the Browns saw the Giants line up, they stacked the box, and they stopped Wayne Gallman's rushing attempt. So I guess the first play didn't bother me as much as the second one did. I, I, I just thought the second one was like, why are you going back to the to the well when obviously the first time around, you know, you gave up points. And obviously, folks, the the, the six points that the Giants could have had, you know, you never assume that it's automatic. Although with Graham Gano kicking, you know, chances are he would have made it and it would have been automatic. But, you know, the six points would have made it, a, you know, if, if everything played out the same way, it would have made it a 20 to 12 game with the Giants really needing, you know, one score and and, and then a two-point conversion to, to tie it. But... I just feel like, you know, there's a time and a place to be aggressive. And, and, and when you're in, in late in the season, in, in December, it's cold out, you know, I, I don't know. I just, I don't know I would have been as aggressive as Joe Judge. But then again, that's why he gets paid the big bucks and I don't to make those decisions. And, you know, look, for all the times we as, as uh, the media and giant fans screamed about coaching staffs being too conservative, I, I guess this is a refreshing change. But I just feel like the Giants, you know, the timing just wasn't there. And I know, I know it's, um, you know, 50, hindsight is twenty twenty. but I was surprised when they did it then. And I, I still am. So anyway, folks, um disappointing loss uh not one that was totally unexpected we kind of thought that the browns might beat the giants just we didn't think the giants would struggle to score but 
we'll see what the next couple of games bring. You know, they have the Baltimore Ravens on the road, and that's a game that, um, goodness, I, I, I don't know. Just, you know, I haven't gotten into the Ravens just yet, but I don't see how the Giants can pull that one off. But we'll see what the week brings. And then the Giants return home to face the Cowboys. We'll see if that game at the end of the regular season counts for anything. So hang in there, guys and gals, and uh, we'll see what what, what the, the week brings. And Oh, before I forget, tomorrow is Twitter Tuesday now. I know this podcast is dropping a little later than usual, again, because of the night game. So um, my plan is to tape the Twitter Tuesday podcast. I'm going to try and do it late Monday night, like uh, like around 9, 10 o'clock, just to give you guys and gals an opportunity to get your questions in. If your questions come in after I tape the show, then what I'll do is I'll devote a segment of one of the grab bag shows. I'll devote a segment to getting those last few questions in like I did last week. And uh, just one other thing, folks, um, with the Christmas holiday coming up. So we're not going to be five days this week. We're, we won't have a show on Friday. The plan um, for the week is Twitter Tuesday uh, on, the, on the 22nd. We'll probably do a grab bag on the 23rd. And then on the 24th, I believe we are going to do our crossover show. So that is the plan for the week. And then Friday, Saturdays, and then we're back Sunday, obviously, to cover the game. But uh, So that's our plan, and I hope you will stick with us. Thanks, as always, for listening. Have a great one.